Welcome to Bevington Banter. The whole gang's here today. Myself, Cassidy, Dad, Randy, and Brother Cade. And um, we are probably going to spend a bulk of this episode breaking down an interview so that you don't have to listen to the full three-hour Joe Rogan show. Um, but an you interview, should. yeah, you should if you want the details. It's, but we will break it down and give some of the highlights of an interview that Joe Rogan did with Dr. Peter McAuliffe. But before we start that, I figure if we want to get any other topic or make sure we get anything else in, you might want to throw it out there now. But dad, I did want to let you know on a note on a note from a couple episodes ago, where we were talking about on the spectrum, being on the autism spectrum, a new study uh, came out today that it really was confirming a 2018 number though, but one in 44 U.S. eight-year-olds, it said, are on the autism spectrum. And that's diagnosed. So that seems pretty high. Yeah, it's pretty high. I just would, there's a whole lot of questions I could come up with to, to know more <laughs> about it because you say it's diagnosed. Right. I mean, so like I, I did see it was in different, to... right. It was in different states. So like California's percentage was a lot higher than some of the other because they probably diagnose more. I don't know, whatever, but. Shocker. That's yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a difference. I think a difference like when kind of like passed. you could take any young, any adolescent boy into a doctor and say he has ADHD and they'd probably go. Yeah. Right. Because especially if you look at it coming out of schools, I had posted something recently about um, off of PragerU about how our public school system uh, is really not designed for boys. And yeah. because of that, it just uh, causes administrators and teachers to see boys as um, unruly girls. Yeah. Because it's not just, you know, un low performing girls. So, and, and it's like, when I wonder if they're, if they're judging autism based on their, you know, ability to socially interact and be aware of social norms after the last couple of years, their numbers would, their numbers would skyrocket. Yeah. Yeah. If I went they, to see a doctor about, you know, getting diagnosed, not only would they diagnose me as on the spectrum, but I'd also be included in that 144 because they'd also diagnose me as an eight-year-old. <laughs> That's probably true. It, it, it is different though. Culture, culture makes a difference. Like when I pastored yeah. in California, if somebody got a hangnail, they needed counseling. Uh, <laughs> in, in Ohio, uh, you know, somebody could accidentally chop off their leg while splitting wood and they'd be like, I'll be okay. It was super glue it back on. Yeah. So. Urban I have to talk about Bubba Wallace. Oh my gosh. Why are we still talking about this? Because we're talking about it because ESPN is releasing an E60. I don't, I don't think it's an E. That's what I mean. I mean, why yeah. is anybody still talking about this? Well, now we all have to talk about it because ESPN how ridiculous themselves it is. reported. Uh, when it was, was it? A, a year ago? The, yeah. the, the ESPN reported that the FBI said it wasn't a noose. Yeah. That it and was now, a garage. And now they're doing a whole documentary on a documentary it. about how it was a noose again. Well, right. I think, I think, um, bad timing I, too, right after Jesse Smollett found guilty of the hoax, exactly. of a hoax hate crime. Yeah. But the, what ESPN just went to, um, steal and ask him to produce a story on it. Yeah. Just like the, just what? like the Russian, just like the Russian hoax dossier. dossier oh, about you said the, steal, about the and there's a pool. okay, there's a um, there's a Sports Center anchor named Shelby Steele. Oh yeah, and so I got oh, confused. No. And she is what actually anti-vax mandate, all this stuff. Yeah, did, she got I'm she got let go, didn't she? She's still there, I think. Oh, I thought she got let go. Um, I'm surprised. What's what's uh that Steele? What's his first name? Oh, I want to say Daniel Steele, but that's a that's a writer, that's a novelist. What is his name? Anyways, whatever. Of the yeah, steel like dossier. dossier. Yes. Yeah. It's pure propaganda. It's purely made up out of thin air because like Cade said, yes, ESPN reported at the time of the investigation, the FBI said it is not, this is not a race thing. It's just a garage pull. Um, it took him about two minutes to figure that out. My favorite and part is that, that was sent, it. And, that, they and now they're producing FBI it. agents. <laughs> they sent 15 FBI agents to look at the rope. And and then they determined that's not a noose. They're all over this, the place. It's been hanging there for a year. They didn't even know that, that was going to be his garage. No, till like two days before he got there. 
And I heard a clip from the documentary that's going to come out and it's all dramatic music. And everyone's like, oh, it was one of the, the greatest non-competitive moments in sports. What? Get out of here. Wow. Hey, yeah, another- I just think of all the um, uh, NASCAR drivers who are participating in this sham. How how embarrassing. Why why are you doing this? And I'd be like, look, I'm anti-racist. I don't think that anybody should ever, nothing like that should be done. But it wasn't done. This isn't that. So no, I'm not going to participate in it. If it were really to happen, yeah, I would absolutely speak out against it. But this is not that. So I'm not going to stand here and be a part of it. In other sports news, Urban Meyer got fired. Hallelujah. I never <laughs> liked that guy. No, I was going to say, you're, we are all here Ohio State fans, but you will not find an Urban Meyer fan here. <laughs> he's he's just a weird dude. Yes. And he's slimy. Every offseason, every offseason, he, off he should have just showed up to recruit and then gone away. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, I, you know, how many times did he, you know, use mental health or whatever and, and and whatever as an excuse just to get health. out of wherever yeah. to move on and then go and then take another yeah, job whatever and then go get another another job that he wanted but i i just know this it's because he has a really good quarterback coming out of college with all kinds of potential and he wouldn't know how to coach a quarterback to save his life yeah hopefully and trevor lawrence is a seems like a really great guy he's he got faith he got married like right after he graduated and like so i'm hate to uh yeah i'm happy that hopefully he will have somebody that will actually right. develop him well, not when you him. lose when you lose the locker room you know only two-thirds into your first season you you got a problem and when you cuss at your kicker and kick him in the leg <laughs> you're probably like gonna get part. fired i like that part where he kicked him yeah no. I always used to marvel at how Urban Meyer was like, oh, he he does special teams himself at Ohio State. And the Ohio State special teams were always giving up horrible Always plays. the worst. Let me put a guy back there that drops half the punts. Yes. Yeah, and I'll never change him out. It doesn't matter how many punts he drops. I'll put him back there again. I hope that Urban Meyer ends up coaching it like Stony Brook or something. <laughs> Why does he need to? He's got to have plenty know. of money. Just be done. Just go away. Yeah, you I mean, think he's, he's an Ohio native. Broadcast again, though. Yeah. Which is like like listening to sandpaper on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, nobody cares about this. So what did you Except want to talk about, <laughs> Yeah. Are you going to be able to talk about the um, the pizza for the Vax without saying anything threatening, Dad? Uh, the only the fact that I would sue them into oblivion. if it, What no, they are referencing is that a mother in California, was it? Said yes. that, yeah, I have the paper, or the article, said that her is LA. Yes, an LA mother said that her son was vaccinated in like the school's efforts to get kids vaccinated in exchange for pizza without parental consent. So they have these kids apart from the parents and they incentivized, they have an incentive program and they gave the kid pizza for vaccination yeah i i can't imagine taking someone else's minor child and without the parent's knowledge or permission injecting them with a drug an experimental drug off the charts to me i i posted wrote about i said this is like dr mengala stuff i mean this is this is really really beyond there's a lot that's you know creepy and weird this is so far beyond the pale Take into account all the actual proven myocarditis stuff that I'm sure we're going to talk about from the Joe Rogan interview. interview. And doing that to a 13-year-old kid without telling parents, it's, it's, it, it's absolutely criminal. It is. It is criminal. I, I don't I mean, know how you – It's I don't actually know how, criminal. Like, I, yeah, in I the know. law, criminal. I don't know, I don't know why how you aren't charges being pressed. Yeah, I don't – well, I think – I, I think that, that they're trying to do something. The, the one thing is interesting is this kid, he attended the school that did this was the Barack Obama Global Prep Academy oh, in South Lordy. Los Angeles. So I thought that was. Was it L.A.? They said they had to roll back there. They had a date for vaccine requirement for students and they like rolled it back because yeah, like a huge fall percentage of 20, fall of 2020 because a huge percentage of wait, Cade, we're far beyond 2020. 
2022. Okay. Because a huge percentage of students weren't vaccinated, so they wouldn't have any students. So they're just going to have to roll it back again. Yeah, but they did. They LA Unified did just let go like 420 staff and teachers you know, and stuff that wouldn't take the vax. That's the reason why they couldn't make up for all those students being gone, too. I heard that they were having problems with they're having problems with staffing, not for just in, you know, like in school students, but they were going to try to force all of the non-vaccinated students to be remote learning. And when it came to the, the system that they had set up for remote yeah. learning, it was like crashed. They, it just wasn't working. Yeah, the number of students they were making go remote because they wouldn't vax was really large. Have you guys seen this Facebook? Well, now Meta, right? They make the VR Oculus thing. And they want us to all live in the metaverse, right? Yeah. There's a Oculus commercial where these two guys are gaming together and they're gamer friends and they like plan, they meet up on there. They're like, you know, when are we going to come back or whatever? So they're good friends, but they only ever game together. And then there's a spot in the commercial and there shows their wives or their roommates being annoyed with them playing all the time in the background. And then there's a spot in the commercial where they both, they're like celebrating yelling and then they stop because they hear noise and they go to the wall where their TVs are and they're like, put their ear on it. And then they yell at their neighbor to quiet to be quiet I'm like you be quiet no you be quiet and they go back and start playing and they're neighbors and the commercial is trying to be like a positive like oh your friends playing whatever but how much of a negative is that that they don't know that they're neighbors it's the opposite yeah i saw that commercial it's a for the horrible first time message i saw that commercial for the first time at mom and dad's house watching the army navy game and i just looked over at dad and i said that's actually sad. Yeah. Like, that's not just a stupid commercial. That's sad. This is the world we want to move towards to where I don't even know in. my next door neighbor that we're the two that are spending that all this time playing gaming probably, together. Yeah. Maybe considered your best friend, even though you don't ever see him, you've never seen him in person and you don't know that he lives on the other side of your wall. You could have so much more uh, fruitful and life-giving relationship with them if you just walked into the hallway and had a conversation well i'm always concerned and i i don't know maybe this is adult content i'm always concerned when i see a young 30 something year old man who has no children who's married to an attractive woman and he's spending all of his time gaming i i'm sorry i no i guess i'm i'm of a different generation you could think so, of some things that might be I could think of a thing gaming. or time to do with my time. Yes. In fact, I don't I, even have to be in my thirties to think of something to do. I actually think that this is, this is the answer to uh, Sarah Silverman's two, two Americas. Oh, we'll just put them all in the virtual, put them world. in the metaverse. Yeah. And if we mm, can just, they won't even way, know what we're doing. They won't even, if we could find a way for them. We'll just convince them that like downloading their conscience into a computer is like, uh, like an upgrade and then just put them in a hard drive somewhere like a server farm somewhere that's america too if we uploaded them to some hard drive then i would bleach i would bleach bit it you'd wipe you'd hillary it. you would clinton yeah. that like with yeah. a hard drive like with a cloth <laughs> yeah put some bleach on okay a cloth so is that murder it. then or are they already how does that work well if they don't have a soul mm. how are they hey See, that's you guys... the joke is they never got uploaded in the first place <laughs> You just tell them that you get in the machine. It uploads you get in the sarcopod. It oh, uploads no. oh, you to the metaverse. Oh, just get answer the, these no, questions. Get in the answer. shower. We'll take it to a peaceful. No, it uploads you into that the server. Was, that was too far, dad. Do you know? You just. Yeah, I know exactly what I said. It's, yeah, but you're, you're no, saying put them this, in their own suicide pods. You're yeah, saying the same pod. thing. They already want those. No, but yeah, but no, it's my uh, point is like, it's what we're not we, actually, we, we're not actually, no, I'm not. But what, what I'm saying is anyone, it's, it's insane what we can be convinced yes. that we think is in our best interest when it clearly isn't my God, people just engage two brain cells and rub them together. Hey, I wanted to thought this was so funny. Just it's a little thing, but um, and I think I, I kind of typed this wrong in the notes. But uh, Elizabeth Warren says that Republicans are all their voting rights stuff to make sure the voting integrity. 
is being done in order to keep the minority uh, empowered. Well, I'm not sure how if you're in the minority, you're empowered or you're in power. But she clearly said to keep them either in power or empowered. I've, but either way, uh, if you're the minority, you're not going to stay in power or you're well, not going to stay empowered. Empowered because it makes my, at least I, I can have a voice. My voice is heard. Yeah, but it, it's not, it's not, if you're not already in power or already empowered, then it's not, you're not going to remain empowered or empower voting integrity voting integrity is really just a way to keep the system accurate but the design of our election system is was intentionally designed to protect the rights of the minority so that actually is true so that you know one place can't trample another that's what the that's what the electoral college was so yes voting integrity totally wrong voting integrity is to keep it accurate she has no idea she's to what I what maybe I need to put it in a larger context. Her point was is that she, she thinks that the Republicans are bullies and that they're working the system and they're doing all these things because they're 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 running the country and they're getting their way and they're doing all these things that are, are that are destroying a mock democracy and they want to continue doing it. So they are trying to uh, put these laws in place for voter integrity so that they can remain and continue to do those things, which is just not the case. They're not in power and they're not doing the things that she thinks that they want to continue to do. They're not in power when they're the majority. Well, that's true too. Because they, because they don't do it for a different reason, but it's, we live in a, it's um, everything, everything you watch that um, the left, accuses the right of doing is what they're actually doing it's it's really quite i mean that's not a new tactic but it's so brazen with it's it's i don't know why we don't talk about it more did you see where jen saki said in that press conference this is a direct quote yes i'm not sure what american person is saying that or is concerned about the debt limit what what kind of bubble do you live in where you could not name a single or even or even imagine that a single American is concerned with the debt limit? I can I'm not a, aware of any American concerned with the debt limit. Then you I could swing to talk a cat around. People. I could swing a cat around by the tail and easily hit somebody who's concerned about the debt limit. I just really think that speaks to the Washington bubble, the Washington Democrat bubble. These people put themselves in. They have no idea what it's like in the real world. Seeing as the Whatsoever. Fox News Chiron this morning said at some point, 80 some percent of people are very or extremely concerned about inflation. I'd say that those same 80 whatever percent of people are very or extremely concerned about the debt limit. Right. So, yeah. Well, you could definitely so raising, swing a cat and hit an eight, 80% of the population. So raising the debt limit allows us to go farther in debt. And here's some perspective that I just heard. Every tax paying American household with the current debt that we have is on the hook for almost $300,000. That's how much in debt we are. Every taxpaying American household owes almost $300,000 to cover the debt that we have. That's a lot more money than I have. And they want, exactly. And they (laughs) want to raise the debt limit so that we can go farther in debt. That is one of the reasons why they are intentionally uh, inflating the current, you know, allowing inflation to take place and acting like they don't know what you're talking about because it, the more inflation there is, then that $300,000 is really not as big. I mean, it's it, it, cause you've devalued the money. So there are people yeah, that think that they're trying to inflate their way out of the debt. Less. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. You're yeah, going to pay, you're going to get, it's yeah. going to catch up to you one way or the other. Yeah. Um, did you want to talk about it all? California being an abortion sanctuary. I didn't even know about that. Well, basically, they'll, yeah. you can come if if this if they overturn Roe v. Wade. California said, and your state, you know, makes laws that you can't get an abortion. California will not only they will pay to transport you to California and pay for your to put you up and um, the abortion. With what money? Because. Here's the thing. California spending money is the federal government spending money. 
because that's where California's money comes from. They are a state that runs a net money in from the federal government. They're they're in debt. So that's federal that's federal tax dollars paying for California abortions. Uh, uh, well, I another to even say another thing with California is I heard that Newsom say that since they Supreme Court upheld the Texas abortion law, where you report people that are you know transporting people or performing abortions beyond the six weeks, the heartbeat uh, time frame, that they were going to use the same methodology of going after gun owners in california and i didn't really understand did how that would apply about that as well yeah i didn't really understand how that applied but i'm sure it's i'm sure he's got something not good planned i'm like like I don't if know your if gun like... was used and it harmed someone then they would i don't the only thing i can imagine is if you know somebody that has a magazine that exceeds 10 rounds or something like that you know that, that they can, somebody can report you or sue you or sue, something. Yeah, it's that's, not reporting; it's suing because it's a civil or yeah, it's a civil right thing. Well, should we get into this interview? Yep. This was so Dr. Peter McAuliffe. He's a he's an epidemiologist, and they did this entire um, episode of the Joe Rogan Show talking about. COVID, he was one of the first research in Maine and one of the first um, people to research and publish on multi-drug COVID-19 treatment. So for people who were already sick, this is like right away before the vaccines were around even. And, you know, even after that, he's thinking, okay, great, vaccinate people, but people, what about treating the people who are in front of you and sick? You can't give them a vaccine. It's too late. So he did all the, um, you know, one of the main guys on researching that. Well, first of all, I was shocked to find out that he said that there are a, a million doctors in the United States. And there's really only, he said, 500 of them working on this problem that are willing to step outside of the federal guidelines to actually try to treat people with coronavirus. And that was one of the most uh, telling things that he, it wasn't scientific at all statement that he made was that. No one, when he brought up the idea of the most important patient in this thing is the one that's right in front of you that has coronavirus, treat that person, right? deal with that case, as opposed to waiting until they get so sick that they go to the hospital because he made and, and then begin to treat them via the government guidelines that says, you know, this is how you do it. And he said, if you would just start treating the people, you know, one person at a time as they come in, we could have avoided all of this hospitalization and much of the death. He quoted the fact that of the all 800,000 deaths that had occurred at that up to that time in the United States, not one of them had received treatment prior to hospitalization. I heard how he said that he did it. He obviously did not check every single 800,000 of them. But I think he just, from what it sounded like, he just went in and started polling like these people's, you know, the, the charts or whoever, oh. just to see that. It, but 100% of them that he polled, none of them received treatment before being in the hospital. Yeah, but I don't, he couldn't have checked every single right. one. But here's the but thing. What are the, what are the odds of getting 100%? So, I mean, but here's the thing. The reason he extrapolates out to that is because he knew the policy was not to treat them. There were no treatment regimens being implemented. The policy was you don't treat them until they get hospitalized. Yeah. And those treatments that he's talking about, we should have done, of course, the big buzz name being hydroxychloroquine, but the others that rindesvir and things like that afterwards too. But he he, you know, he was one of the guys that did some of the research on that and was putting that out there. We should be trying these things. And I was shocked at him talking about how the U.S. and other countries as well had stockpiled hydroxychloroquine prior to this. And this was a good thing, but then they weren't releasing it. And someone from the White House actually asked him, this was under the Trump administration still, asked him 
for help to get it released because the FDA seemed to be blocking it. And it wasn't just the U.S. that for some reason was would backlash in this um, and demonizing hydroxychloroquine. It was around the world. They're the second largest producer of um, hydroxychloroquine and a plant, plant outside Taipei City was burned down. Um, stores are being burned down in other places. And he and Joe Rogan asked him several times, why do you think the government was demonizing it so much? And, you know, and he seemed reluctant to give an answer. But he finally got there. He finally right. did because he said, you've asked me three times and I'll give you an answer. I'll give you now. an answer. And even but then, then he still even didn't then give he it talked right for like away. 10 more minutes and gave an answer. Right. Um, he and he called it a hubris for vaccination was a quote, specifically the the genetic vaccination, the mRNA. And so basically they just wanted to disparage or eliminate any other options and force people into the vaccination. This was a quote I said, it seems to me early on, there was an intentional, very comprehensive suppression of early treatment in order to promote fear, suffering, isolation, hospitalization, and death. And it seemed to be completely organized and intentional in order to create acceptance for, and then promote max vaccination. And he's talking specifically about this mRNA type, this new type of vaccination. Have we talked much about what you, I don't know if Cassidy, I don't know if you watched it, but I know dad has um, Glenn Beck's dive into the whole development of the vaccine and how it is absolutely proven the federal government owns half of the mRNA technology. The other company that owns the other half of the actual technology obviously Pfizer and has their own version but Moderna owns the other part of this mRNA technology and that Moderna which the doctor what's his name McCullough yeah he um he also you know kind of reiterates that there's proof that Moderna was working on the vaccine before the release of COVID-19 SARS-CoV-2 and um that actually matches up really well with what Glenn Beck's investigation turned up. He had paperwork that showed that it was going back to like 2019, but he's also heard doctors talking about, I mean, he has Glenn Beck has actual documentation videos from, from medical conferences dating back to like 2013 of them talking about things. You'd, you'd have to watch that too. I, well, I didn't take about, a lot of notes on it, but just, just the fact that Moderna was working on that. Um, ahead of time. Cause it is, it's totally to push the vaccine. Because yeah. well, th- so- and you talk about it being, you know, kind of pre- pre-planned or they saw it coming for goodness sakes, the John Hopkins spars pandemic scenario seminar in 2017 right. lays the whole thing out. They just said it was going to happen in 2025. And if you go through that document, which I will link, it's a really long report, but it is extremely revealing. Yeah. I looked at it and it, it basically lined up perfectly with what's unfolded over the last two years. They and lay was, the whole thing out from laid a, out in a 2017. coronavirus that it will be a coronavirus. It'll come to the U S it'll shut down cities, scare people. There'll be confusion over drugs like treatment. Uh, and they will use it. This, they even said this in the report, they'll even use it to railroad people into max vaccination. They even talk about then people coming out about vaccine, side effects and things like that afterward. And a couple years later, learning of side effects that they didn't know about right away. And they even go through that. Did you hear that Pfizer purchased a company that is specifically working on treatments for like inflammatory myocarditis? So how interesting that they create, they, they created a problem and are now developing the treatment for it to profit off the treatment for the situation they created, which is basically what this entire thing has been to begin with. Because again, if you look at it, it's, it's a fact at this point that the NIH funded the Wuhan lab that developed the, the SARS-CoV-2. So we, American taxpayer dollars were spent on developing the virus, developing the vaccine promoting the vaccine they're attempting to mandate the vaccine it paid for the individual doses it's of the biggest conflict of interest on the largest scale that i've ever heard of i want to take all this and go to big picture because all of these things when you break this down you say how how could they do this how could they do that why would they do this why would they do that it did you know it so i can only 
conclude at this point with the information that we have that one, the idea of a global government elite running the whole show is much more real and underway than we realize, because this has been a worldwide effort to seize control. I mean, what better way to do it? It's all been planned out. We see it being implemented. And if they can do this with our individual bodies, then they have complete control over everything else. And the thing is, once that power is seated with the size and technology of government and stuff that's out there, there is, there's just no getting it back. There's just, it, it'll be, it's, this, is what, this is what they want. This is why they are allowing anarchy in the United States so that they can just uh, basically wad up and throw away the constitution and say, we need a new system. And that system will play into a, a global elite government you know, I mean, this is this is the big picture. I can't it's, come to any it's other. It's basically conclusion. the larger scale version of um, of what they did with Obamacare. Obamacare, by their own admission, now the guy who laid out the website said it was designed to fail. We wanted it to fail because if you put this in place and it fails, and then nobody can get insurance and everybody's freaking out, they'll demand universal health care. So the right. way to get people to demand something very centralized is to purposefully make the alternative fall apart. I saw a video of Frank Church, who was a, a senator from, I think, Idaho uh, back in the 70s. And he was, a, he was a, a very liberal. But back then he was saying how technology with the, and the, um, the power of the intelligence communities are so ingrained and they're so potentially dangerous that they have the ability to, this is in 75, he's saying this, that they have the ability to know everything that everybody is saying. And if they decide to be, begin to use it for malevolent purposes, we're screwed. That was in 1975, he was saying that. So he was concerned. I mean, obviously he was right. And not only that, he, he died at a strangely young age in his 50s, just a couple of years later. So whatever. Yeah, well, okay, I think that referenced the quote again that it was intentional, comprehensive suppression of early treatment to promote fear, suffering, isolation, hospitalization, and death. They, I mean, they, they create the fear. It's basically a, a narrative that they just like implanted into people. It made them terrified, but they also knew how they would react. So they created, they created this, as the doctor himself says in the interview, mass psychosis. That's um, not just affecting you know, everyone that they locked down and everyone they scared, but uh, doctors, they're a part of it. Churches are a part of it. They created that whole scenario to push the vaccine to make it and to make it the only option because they own half of it. Because because is it because they own it? But and it's terrifying to me because this vaccine is way more dangerous, I think, than I realized. So mRNA vaccine, basically, if you think of the so mrna is not like rna it's a messenger rna that one part of your um that your dna is encoded it, it creates this it it tells your cells what amino acids to produce and what proteins to produce and so it's created and it takes this like blueprint for a protein and it goes over to the cell that makes it and it says here's the blueprint you make it and then that cell will start producing that making that protein and then the mrna eventually just kind of dissolves and goes away and so your body normally does this on a normal so the mrna vaccine they basically send in their own strand of mrna encoded with the blueprints for a specific protein and so for this vaccine they identify the point of weakness on the vaccine they want to target so for the coronavirus it's this spike protein that you hear about and that's the point of weakness. And so they tell, they create, they encode that spike protein into this mRNA. They send it into your body. And normally your body would be like, whoa, why is this mRNA outside of a cell? And it would kill it. So to combat that, they encapsulate it in a little fatty thing, lipid pod. And so then that lipid can go up to the cell and the cell will just say, hey, come on in. And it lets it in. And then the mRNA is now in the cell. And it can tell it to produce that spike protein. It does that. And then another cell goes, hey, that doesn't, or another part of the cell goes, hey, that doesn't look right. Takes that spike protein, 
over to the another part of the body that will then learn how to kill that protein. And that's what like creating antibodies to then kill this protein. But in doing that, it's telling your body to make that spike protein. So all this to say that when you get the vaccine, you are producing the virus, your body starts producing the virus. And um, they did studies that said that your sorry, the vaccine. So the vaccine produced causes your body to produce the spike protein after vaccination, vaccination, they found that you have measurable quantities for of that spike protein in your body for an average of two weeks. But in one person, it was up to as long as 29 days. And it's known that that protein damages cells in the heart, the brain, the blood vessels, blood clotting. That's what causes the inflammation and myocarditis. And, and then, and he said, he believes that they could be in there, you know, not measurable quantities, but that protein could be in your body for as long as, you know, six months. And then if you have to get a booster every six months, then you're just re like, Oh, produce more and produce more. So you're constantly going to have that harmful spike protein in your body. And that's I thought why he had set up to a year. Yeah. He said, yeah. And then he said, if you're you muted, repeated Dad. boosters can cause a buildup of the spike protein and it could take, you know, 12 to 18 months to totally clear the body. And that's why you have all these negative effects. And so this is a totally new thing, right? They haven't studied this type of vaccine for a long time. And he pointed out that any doctor rec encouraging someone to get a vaccine is against the Nuremberg code for doctors because this is like a research project. Yeah, he said anyone who does it is just not a good doctor. He said that about the Sanjay Gupta who was on there, the one who went on Sesame Street and told children that they should get vaccinated. Yeah. You're not allowed to tell somebody you should do, you should, or you should not. That's, yeah, from what he was saying, in an experimental situation. I heard, not in this interview, but in another interview before, I think it was with the guy who, um, the other doctor who developed the mRNA, I heard that a certain percentage, like a really high percentage of the dose is supposed to remain at the site of injection, but that a lot of times in this, it's, it's not working like it's supposed to. They're not using it like you're, you're supposed to use it. And that dose of that spike protein is going all over the body. It's not staying near the yes. injection site. Right. So it's going into hours. the heart, into the, yeah. yeah. And it's going into all those places. Like 7% that's of the why dose people on are average goes into heart. women's ovaries. Um, okay, that's terrifying. Instead of like what 95% is supposed to stay just at the injection site. And it isn't. He said within a couple of hours, they're finding it all over the body. So it goes all over the body and into the heart. And that's what's causing this inflammation, myocarditis in people, especially young men. And the European soccer player, Joe Rogan was talking about all these European soccer players that have been dropping dead on the field because essentially he said, and he asked, how can, is there anything we can do if you already had the vaccine or if you're already, what can you do to belay? I don't know the effects of this. And basically he said, if you have myocarditis or inflammation around the heart, no physical activity. You can't do anything because it's rigorous physical activity that then triggers the heart event, the cardio event. And that's why these soccer players running up and down the field that all, all been forced to be vaccinated are having these heart events. I saw the other day at the gym at the, the Chiron on ESPN said so-and-so like 33 is a soccer player retires due to heart condition. Hmm. I wonder what that could be. Maybe he doesn't want to die on the field. I like how he also asked at one point um, if you're having to get it for your job and you have to get it to keep your job, is there something that you can take beforehand to mitigate yeah. the impending heart inflammation? Um, don't get it. Quit your job. If you think you're, if you think you're going to have myocarditis, uh, blood clots and stuff like that to the point where you're going to die, I would not trust some mitigating drug to take beforehand and everyone i don't think that's an you answer think the numbers are low i just want the, the reporting the um VAERS system there are people report these incidents as of the recording of that episode it had reported eighteen thousand deaths thirty thousand permanently disabled two hundred and fifty thousand er and hospital visits and it's underreported he said by four to five percent four to five times. And so that would mean that the actual deaths from the vaccine are 40 in 45. That's in the U S only will be 45,000 because 9,000 of those deaths were in the U S so 45,000 deaths in the U S alone 
post-vaccination. Right. He said, given the what we know about underreporting for VARES, the number is more like 45,000 people have died from it. And um, here's something I thought was also interesting. He said 50% of the deaths occur within the first 48 hours of the injection and 40 and 80 percent within the first week and you so, might think that number of deaths is a lot lower than number of covid deaths but your death for from covid is very preventable yeah that was shocking you could too, even, for him to say that even before to, you get it even before yeah. you if you are exposed to it you could prevent yourself from even contracting the virus dad you just put this into practice yesterday Right. Describe that. Describe yeah, that so experience because well, I'm he interested. Said, he said that it was in Bangladesh. They've virtually eliminated, you know, people getting it because they've gotten so good at this nasal, oral and nasal decontamination. If after they're out and about with a lot of people, they go home and they use this kind of nasal wash. And if you put, you know, iodine or whatever, he said some recipes in there, it kills, it gets rid of all of the uh, the viral load. And so your body won't even then start, you know, contract the virus. Yeah. He said something else I'd never heard. And this is one of these things like, why isn't this regularly put out in the media? This should be being put out all the time in the media. If you were serious about keeping people healthy, why is this not a minimum of what's being put out on a regular basis in the media? No, treatments. that is one is that um, it takes about three hours of contact with somebody in order to get it. Unless Close you contact. go into unless you go into a really loaded small area, so it's not something you just brush walk by somebody and get it. Um, and then he said, "Yes, about these nasal, you know, washes. It's as simple as taking." He said, "Iodine kills it instantly on contact. Take two teaspoons of iodine, put it in six ounces of water. Get you one of those um, mucus getter bulbs that you use on a baby. You know, suck it up in there." Uh, put it up each nostril, inhale as you inject it to the point to where it goes all the way in and comes out your your mouth, you know, um, and that and um, do that and then gargle with the rest of it. And you might want to do this if you feel like you're concerned, you know, maybe four hours later, do it again and then you do it again. But I, I did it last night because I went into a nursing home where both my aunt and uncle have been have had COVID positive recently. And while we were there, uh, they came in and said, hey, Uncle, Rod, you know, my uncle, your roommate just tested positive for COVID. <laughs> so you know, I had to run, you know, I drove my aunt there and back in the car. So when I came home, I am peroxide is another one. I put about a 50 50 mix of what I looked up of uh, which about what you get at the store, usually about 3% hydrogen peroxide, 50-50 mix of that and water. And I did exactly that. And um, it was quite refreshing. We'll see. Could you breathe better? Um, well, my sciences are kind of jacked up and that when I go, when it goes in, it doesn't all come back out. Ugh. So I can, yeah. Probably shouldn't do it with hydrogen peroxide. Yeah, then. yeah he has do, had probably. sinus surgery yeah. for everyone. So, but it yeah, worked it for did. a couple of days. But right. Did you just, say it worked for a little bit? The sinus surgery? No, yeah, it's still, surgery. it's still, oh. I can still feel air in the back of my throat when I breathe, but there's just, I don't know. There's something about, um, like I can't use a neti pot. I tell that story all the time though, because of all the nasty stuff that came out of your nose it's for the next few what days. Was up in my and head. you would, you would just, it would get it would nastier and nastier. And you just kept going, look what came out of my nose. Yeah. This chunks that would fill up my whole palm of my hand. I found it. Didn't he said he testified in front of the Texas Senate right. or something like that. that Texas, he, you're that right. He thinks 85 of the total deaths had been preventable. Yes, with treatment. Yep. I was going to say that. Yeah, absolutely. In front of the Texas Senate, 85 percent under oath, he said was 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 a preventable with treatments that were intentionally being discouraged and and drugs that were completely safe being completely demonized. That's another thing. I want to go back to way earlier when we talked about how the doctors were scared how they were waiting they, they had hoarded stockpiled all this hydroxychloroquine but they were waiting on fda approval it is an fda approved drug right right the vaccines it, are not approved they're still no, emergency you, you should be able to doctors are allowed by that to off-label prescribe medications they should be able to prescribe hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin whenever they want you can prescribe those things now, the, 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 right. The debate is, is this going to cure the COVID? Well, I don't know, but I know this. It's not going to hurt the person. Yeah, so why don't we right. try? How many doses of ivermectin they say have been given worldwide in the billions, tens of billions? And they're all, I mean, they that, that was another thing. 
uh, Joe Rogan, it's funny that, you know, Joe Rogan's having this conversation because he has he been thinking this. about it. He's skeptical, skeptical. He had COVID. He did what he called throw the kitchen sink at it. And he took ivermectin and the media said he was taking horse paste and that he was taking, you know, like a horse dewormer medication. I'm pretty and- sure Joe Rogan can afford human medicine everyone yeah, he's like he's like i'm rich i can afford human medicine so i it's just so yeah they they specifically attacked those drugs and it led to a lot of unnecessary deaths hundreds and- of thousands at least half a million unnecessary deaths that's crazy but it's not that's evil and obviously that's is- very it is that's that's the worst of it but on top of that the destruction that it's brought to this country and around the world economically, people's lives, their business, not just their economically, jobs, their mental mentally, health. emotionally, relationally, it's destroying right. this is where, people's psyches. This is where six six weeks into this, people were going, you know, five and six weeks into it, they were going, you know, hey, are we gonna open back up? Are we gonna go open back up? And people started going, Well, can we afford to? And I said at the time, I said, I don't know if we can afford to, but I'm absolutely sure of this. We can't afford not to. (laughs) You can't sustain this lifestyle. It's not possible. And sure enough, here we are. We've got the highest inflation in 40 years. I I tried to order, um, 10 years ago, I ordered an iPod that was not assembled until uh, you ordered it in China. They, had, they took the parts, they assembled it, they shipped it to you. When I ordered that iPod, it, re- it arrived at my door in just under 48 hours from China, from the time that I ordered it. I ordered mom and she an iPad, uh, and it came up six to seven weeks sitting on a boat outside and i called all the stores around in the area that would carry apple products and nobody has anything we can't even get so that's like a you know an ipad you think it takes some effort even though it's really not it's totally um streamlined process of putting it together so even producing it's not like more difficult but labels so we print at the church name tag. We have like, welcome, like you can put your name so that new people can know everyone's names. So just those sticky sheets, labels. sheets that have eight labels. Yeah. Okay. To order those, even we needed to order more and you couldn't find them places and they're way more expensive. And it's going to take a couple of weeks even to get those in. Try finding, Every- uh, try finding semiconductors and like electronics equipment yeah. and stuff. Everyone is out. I'm like, I'm like finding people total like gouging components on ebay for like three times what they're actually worth and we're having to buy them because it's the only option everything else i see dates on some of the electronic components that we need that say october of 2022 oh that they'll be back in stock and these are some of the biggest electrical supply like electronic supply houses there are that's all they do is supply electronics components and they can't get them for and i've seen that now it's already been since october so they're it takes them a year to get something that they sell regularly, um, like millions of them. So when you talk though about the deaths that have happened because of this, it co- it goes so far beyond that. Um, what what they're willing to sacrifice us to gain what they want. You know. So what do wanna, we? So what do we do? Well, I mean, I want to go back for a minute. Talking about it, and well, I can't. I can't minutes. say it. I can't. I can't put it on the podcast. What we need well, to do. Okay, but the what you what is safe for the podcast would just be I saw this. That, well, I Talk saw there was your rally. Tell people, right. Educate right. yourself. Look up the things that we uh, link in the show notes. Like inform yourself and tell people. You can't let them get right. away with this. Share as many share with this as many people as you can. I saw that there was some people are being was arrested that they held a um, a protest. Uh, and went into businesses in New York that required vaccines. And so the cops showed up and arrested the people. But that was an actual protest where they were, they were saying, loading doing people this. out of an Applebee's into a paddy wagon. There's just so much that's not understood about this. Uh, another thing that I learned, he said that uh, the Dr. McCullough said that um, for some people, when you get the mRNA vaccine, it actually is giving you an initial bigger load of the spike protein than if you would get the actual COVID itself. And that's one why people are, a lot of people are dying. Like most of the people that are dying, these, these deaths that we counted from the vaccine are older people 
who are, if you're susceptible, if you're one of the people that it's meant to protect, like an elderly person or a person with comorbidities, actually more dangerous. Much more, it's much more dangerous for you to take the vaccine. Those are the people that are that it's killing, primary, you know, primarily. He he, you know, the the deaths. If if fifty deaths, he had. He, I, I wrote this down. If I can, if I can look this up about how many. If there were fifty deaths, they would pull it. Oh yeah. So typical. Yeah. Right. When this fact, this is why this vaccine is still experimental, right? Is that normally if if there's fifty deaths or something like this, they would have pulled it right away. But there was no safety review even after 182 deaths. Uh, after 27, there had been 27 million shots. And the normal, um, so by January 22nd, 2021, there had been 182 deaths from the 27 million shots. And the standard is 150 deaths at 278 million. So we already overshot the death number in way less shots. Yeah, in 10% yeah. of the yeah. shots. And it was still right. out there. It's, it's still out there now. Right. So you could, I, so so you could, I mean, if you run it out to, if the if it stayed steady if you ran it out to your 278 million you're looking at 1800 deaths. deaths yeah i don't think that people have any idea of those numbers it's just never it's just not ever and talked only about the reported stuff yeah well so talk about it yeah and, and i and do when someone like tries said, to get you to take the vaccine go in with this here's why i'm not going to do it because it makes my body make this protein which is harmful to my body and here's why and blah 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 and it can stay in my body up to this long have the sources be ready if you hear if you hear a contradicting opinion from a phd a doctor whoever on television if they haven't treated covid patients ignore them because i have already seen people launch uh counters to to this man's two hour and 45 minute interview where he lays out all this really good information you really should listen to the whole thing if you have the opportunity but i've seen people counter this with a 10 minute video and say i, I saw a guy oh, i'm a i'm a phd in molecular biology and this is why this is wrong uh except for actually i'm giving him too much credit he didn't say this is why this is wrong he just said that's wrong but didn't give any reasons and why. let's not listen and to the guy who has treated people yes. and told stories of seeing this and interacting with it if they're not actively treating patients and seeing success in treatments like like this like this person has um don't listen to them dr fauci has not treated a single covid patient and neither has sanjay gupta or any other person um from from what he says, uh, Dr. McCullough, he says he's one of like three doctors who's actually been on TV who has also treated a COVID patient. Yeah. So yeah, all the medical professionals that you hear talk about talking about things on TV, they, they don't know what they're talking about. They haven't treated a single patient. In some areas of medicine, he is the most published author in history uh, on that medical issue. I mean, he's he's this guy's not a lightweight just talking out, you know, just talking off the top of his head. Oh, somebody say something funny so to end this so I don't hate everything. Ah, Christopher. It's Christopher Steele. Oh! Yes, you're right. <laughs>